Hey, hey, everyone, welcome back to the new episode of Radio Say. You're watching this as a result of the YSA platform. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, lots of thoughts on it, so enjoy. Feminism is a scam. A few years ago, I was an angry, blue-haired feminist. I'm not here to feel what she said. I quite literally couldn't care less what a white woman like herself thinks about white feminism. But can we talk about how advanced we would be as a society if white women weren't around? White women have been screaming feminism and making it all about freeing the nipple and not shaving your armpit hair, growing it, and coloring it all the funky hairs just because they can't. They have constantly ignored the struggles of women of color and made themselves out to be the victim, all the while knowing how privileged they are. They've never cared about missing and murdered indigenous women. They've never cared about how black women are most likely to die in the hands of doctors. They've never cared about the fact that hijabis all over the world are not able to wear their hijab freely, as well as naqabis. They've never cared about it when Asian women were being fetishized by their own men, but instead made it a point to be jealous of them. White women have been around for ages and have been using their oppression and misogyny against women of color who are actually oppressed. So yeah, I wouldn't want a white woman by my side fighting for my rights anyways. Because if feminism is being perceived as this weird and useless thing by blue-haired women like herself, it's actually because of her and not because of women like me who actually care about women's rights. So yeah, maybe it's time we deplatform these useless women. Feminism is okay. So here's something I wanted to say. Um, so the first point that the this creator makes. Um, let me make sure I have the username. Scam. It is Okay, I'll put it in the description below. But that the first point about like the idea to like um. Okay, so I understand the anger and the frustration. That being said, I don't personally think the phrasing, how advanced we as a society would be without what, like, <laughs> what she said with, without white women. And I don't like that specific sentence just because it's a way to critique an oppressor that also has marginalized identities. It's very important that when we're critiquing those people, that we do not simultaneously combine the identities. If that makes sense. I think that's a wording thing. Um, like it's it becomes obvious when you like see that she's a woman of color, the person, the creator who's um, making the the comment. But it's it's very important that like when you critique whiteness or when you critique whiteness with white people who are are a part of marginalized communities. That we we word it in such a way that it doesn't lead to a form of sexism and stuff like that. Because I feel as though that's a sentence that we would never use to refer to white men. Does that make sense? We wouldn't like at least I've never heard a crazy yet that has said. Imagine how advanced we would be if white men didn't exist. No, I've never heard of a crazy saying that. But I have heard uh, multiple women's accomplishments, but women of all sh- races being discredited and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, being discredited, not only the work, but also 
the experience of oppression, like being dis- discredited. And so I do think it's important that when we critique white people who also hold other marginalized communities, that we're more careful with our wording. Because just because it's, it's quite important that like we don't then contribute to like sexism. I think it can be hard to hold sympathy for people who are, hold oppression, not not hold oppression, for people who are part of the oppressor's group. But it is important that, especially with in terms of intersectionality, that we recognize that like it's important to have some sympathy or not sympathy, like have more careful word choicing so that we do not contribute indirectly to our own oppression does that make sense because by saying what that sentence way she did it kind of infers that like how much further as a society would we be if we were all men if women as a general didn't exist just because it's what's not being said and what's not said is like how far we would be without white men we never say that you know what I mean and even then I always think that's like statements like that are like very buzzwordy but like they just don't like like they like catch the eye but they actually didn't say anything important or significant because like it yeah does that make sense because it's like just because let's say white women as a construct did not exist but we still had white men i wasn't i mean i don't know how that as a society that would work you know what i mean like but like say say as a construct that didn't work like white women specifically didn't exist or like white women like I don't know how to explain it but like it's just it's quite important to like yeah like it's just it's, it's quite important to like when you're talking about when you're crit- making critiques we word things carefully you know what I mean that's what I'm trying to say okay on to my next point so what what the last thing that this crazy said I'm gonna scrub a little bit forward right so yeah maybe it's time we de-platform these useless women Feminism is a- so yeah. The last thing the creator was saying is talking was she was talking about how like how useless. Hopefully, I'm getting the pronouns correctly. Okay, Scam. she doesn't have a pronoun in her bio, and she seems to refer to herself as a wolf. Okay, so like, was it? Yes, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yes, okay. Basically, the constructs and also. Okay, I'm gonna pause for a moment. So basically, um, I, ha- I was given advice on my last podcast episode to perhaps like have keynotes and structure it more clearly. And I think I should work on that and I should use the media labs at school to do that as well. Um, and it would really like improve my podcast quality. So I am going to work on that, but I first need to email and book times. And I also needed to do it in such a way that it's consistent at least once a week so that like any ideas I have is there but I still need to do it in such a way that I don't feel as though that like how can I say it uh, I, f- I don't feel as though because right now with college it can be quite like hard to manage everything I'm doing and I would like to keep this podcast going especially because I have so many thoughts all the time um but yeah I just I think I need to work on that but it is it is noted I promise I'm gonna get that done thank you so much um, for your advice, actually, not sure if I'm, I should like credit you yet, but like, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> like, 
Um, but okay, I'll, I just will, and like hopefully you'll message me and be like, Ew. no, actually, no, that's not a good idea. Anyways, I'll credit on my story if like that person feels comfortable afterwards. There we go. Because like I I, I don't know. <laughs> on to my next point. Like what the person, what the creator was saying was basically how like if you think feminism is useless then perhaps you're being useless with the way you engage with feminism or like you're not engaging in feminism in a useful way and that is so true because i think with choice most people view feminism as useless or not important no longer valid in today's society they most likely are engaging with choice feminism only and if you don't know that there are different schools of feminist thoughts and there's different ways to engage with feminism, then no wonder you're missing the point. Because choice feminism, I think I've spoken this before, I've spoken about this before, but very specifically, choice feminism is designed that like the constructs around this suggest that like our modern day society, in modern day society, women are in the West at least can freely choose and are free enough and have and live in a post like oppression society where they can now choose for themselves what they want and that's a false statement we women are not living in a post sexist society we're still living underneath a patriarchal society that is still very much strong and ongoing and powerful and overbearing and has such a great influence over our lives and these systems of like capitalism and patriarchy and racism are all interconnected and if you want to properly dismantle sexism it is very vital to include women of color's experiences the idea of including people who including the experiences of basically people who hold the most privileged groups most privileged identities within uh, an oppressed group if that makes sense so say it is a the group of women if we only prioritize the idea the issues and problems that negatively impact cis able-bodied straight white women then of course a lot of issues are going to flow fall under the radar and also currently cis able-bodied straight white women are very privileged and there's not a lot of things that are obviously oppressing like how can i say this in a way that makes sense oppression requires like there is uh, this lived experience of oppression and then there's the study and theory of oppression and if you hold a lot of privileged identity groups and a lot of the identity groups you belong to are privileged and are in are actually more of the oppressors within society, then the one oppressed or slash marginalized community that you're a part of, like you're not gonna fully understand how in terms of the intersectionality of your identity, how your privilege will inform your experience time and time again. So because of the amount of privilege you have, you're not gonna fully comprehend all of the oppression because of being a woman per se because you're being shielded from it actively through your other privileges by having enough money you're not experiencing period poverty for example by being white and cis you're not experiencing the same level of medical danger 
the way black women experience, the way trans women experience, you know, or like women of color experience. Like, because the medical system centers white, disabled bodied um, men. And so, and so that, and uh, also straight men. And so when they're those, like those bodies are advertised and your body mostly fits into that category, except for the fact that you're a woman. Yes, there are discrepancies there. There are going to be issues there, but you're not going to experience the full force or brunt of it because your other privileged points are kind of like acting as a buffer to the full, um, the full amount of oppression that occurs under capitalism. Because if I'm taking a racial capitalism course, which is probably my favorite course right now, um, as you know, but like, and it's why did I say probably? It definitely is. But like, basically, in, in that course, like we we had a recent reading, and I'm gonna talk about the reading just now. But basically, it's that like if you're shielded from so much, like so much of the oppression that capitalism. My point is, is that capitalism, modern day capitalism, has basically emerged a little bit out of, um, like, as a re- a retort or as a better solution or better economic policy versus feudalism, which feudalism was like when we had like the estates and we had the monarchy and like we had like the bourgeoisie and we had the clergy. Like, you know, that economic system in Europe, capitalism emerged as, like, a better version, like, a hopeful version that anyone could, like, regardless of their birth or status, could move up and down the ladder. But the way capitalism actually works is that it kind of actively outsources its poverty and oppression to people of color, to women, to disabled people. And it basically allows mobility for white, disabled bodied men, straight men, to like they will be given the most ability to move up and down the classes because of their decisions and not because of their um, background as much. Of course, background and family history does have an impact, of course, but the system is designed so that majority of the poverty is outsourced historically, institutionally, and generationally is outsourced to marginalized communities. So that marginalized communities will experience the brunt force of poverty and oppression compared to the the white, straight, cis, able-bodied man. And, the, and it, this allows basically a, the American dream only fully holds true for for, for that select group. And now with the recent rights and legislation, it has opened the door for more Americans of diverse bodies and and stuff like that, just of diverse identities to come in and also partake in that dream. But it doesn't change the fact that the system is designed so that the majority of people, especially the majority of marginalized people and people who belong to marginalized communities, well, the, they, as a majority, will then experience that oppression. Um, if you look at the history, if you look at how when Black communities were gaining wealth and resources, they were burned down. If you look at the history of gentrification and redlining, if you look at Karl Marx's theory of primitive accumulation, if you look at how chattel slavery was also a form of social death, 
and also a form of and also was active it was probably one of it, i would actually say it's the most severe case of economic oppression that ever occurred in our history as a society i'm saying i would say just because to be fair i haven't researched every society in the world but i definitely could say in the history of western society it is probably like the worst case and i say probably just because i i'm aware of the that there is some knowledge that I'm not have full access to. But based on my current understanding of the world, I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that as my truth or as like the correct opinion or correct statement. Okay. And so we have all those factors going on, right? <laughs> so then white women will not like have the ability because of the intersection of their privilege, have the ability to and the intersection of their identities have the ability to cry and have their tears, white woman tears, valued, taken seriously, be viewed as important, and like they're more likely to believe to be believed, especially if the aggressor in a story is like is a someone of a marginalized community themselves. And so, whereas women of color are not as believed or as protected as white women you know and so and like also with white women you also have like proximity to wealth and to accessing wealth in a way that women of color simply have not had access to or proximity to in a way and oftentimes white women whether they realize it or not will can end up um protecting certain like statuses or status quos even patriarchal ones ones that like negatively like impacts other women other white women as well if they believe themselves that they can hold on to wealth and access it it's kind of like like it's like imagine like being outside the club and not being anywhere allowed inside the club or something like that and actively being kept out of the house versus you can get a vip ticket and get treated re- like really well, but like you can never freely enter and freely live, leave. That's that's what like being, that's what like being a white disabled straight white woman is. But especially like, like just white women in general. But I I recognize that I do not know all of the experiences in that, and so. But generally speaking, like white women have like the access, like to enter the club of like wealth and gain resources at the expense of others through like marriage or socialized like social um situations or through like meeting the beauty standard or through like uh, other interactions or like just having proximity to what like white men you know and like and western culture in that regard and like towards the top and through family relations etc etc whereas black women and other women of color and like like other like identity groups will not have as easy access into this club and will most likely be kept out at all costs and will not have a VIP ticket into this club, okay? Even if they do somehow manage to get into the club, if that makes sense. And so, um, so yeah, and that how that circles back to choice feminism is that you have a lot of privileged people who are kind of on the fence, who are not reading any theory, who don't perhaps care that much about politics to begin with. Maybe they just want to be good people and they just want to get by by the day. And so you have a lot of people who, 
frankly, undedicated to the cause and frankly, do not concern themselves with the cause, do not based on their personal experiences or based on their ability to analyze the society around them. They just have not have any inner urge or desire to change actively the society and system they're living under or to break it down or to reconstruct it or to reform it or dismantle it, etc. Not not make any significant change. That being said, they want to be good people and they and they hear about choice feminism. Choice feminism allows people to feel good about themselves with the least amount of self-sacrifice, the least amount of commitment, and, and and with the basically it's probably the only form of activism, I put in quotation marks activism, which is the most self-centered. It's the most self-centered form of activism. Compared to activism in its nature, it is supposed to be for the collective justice for protecting and uplifting as many people as possible, or at least the enti- as best as you can and as best as you can fathom, if that makes sense. And so, like, for example, like, as being a pro-Black person, the, the pro-Black example is that, like, the idea is that to promote as much upliftment for Black people, but it's very interesting is that oftentimes based on your identity group and your ability to analyze the world about around you and your connection to that and just your own personal opinions, it that can then like decide or like contribute to who you end up accidentally leaving out, if that makes sense. And so pro-black people, it's like my they might be some people who are pro-black and identify as pro-black, but will leave out queer black people, trans black people, or will um, promote patriarchy as a solution to racism, um, which is basically the idea of the nuclear family. I actually said something very interesting in class, um, not to boast or anything, but like, <laughs> but like I said, I found it, I found the concept interesting when I thought about it. And so I'm not saying, oh, I'm so interesting, I come up with interesting things, but basically what I, what I wrote, <laughs> let me just get to it, was that, when I was from the reading, is that I should I'll leave the um the name of the reading in the description below. But basically, I think like um D W Boyce, I'll write his name now probably as well, is that basically he, in his theory he suggested that like the solution to um the all the problems that the Black family faces today is to basically like after like. The civil rights era and after the end of chattel slavery because slavery has not really ended it's just it's currently been reformed and been made it may not experience the afterlife of slavery i personally disagree with the statement of the afterlife of slavery maybe we're experiencing the afterlife of chattel slavery which i think is very important to be specific in that regard because i do think the current like prison the current prison industrial system is a form of slavery but perhaps but perhaps utilizing the word slavery kind of like waters down the idea of chattel slavery in people's consciousness. So there's complications around word use there. But yeah, like I, I, have, I have some questions and perhaps maybe also not beef, but like just ideas around that. But yeah, basically is that what the bears were saying um, in terms of the black nuclear, oh, um, the problems that black people face today is that and a solution to what modern day black people, are, um, the black community is struggling with is through cre- installing and creating 
and like ensuring the black nuclear family where they we have patriarchal black father who is the head of the family instead of the queer or like not queer but like like yeah queer in a sense of like uh, like in opposition to heterosexism or heteropatriarchy patriarchal society but basically the the unique structure of like a black woman being the head of the household instead what's proposed is that the nuclear family black men being in charge of the household and like you know and then there's a black man and it's black woman like getting married and then they have children like that structure will then save the black community but i just think if capitalism has outside outsources poverty and basically has actively resulted in racism that like black people experience and the racial um, economic issues that we still face then to create utilize the nuclear family which is a tool of capitalism as a way of solving the issues that capitalism has caused it's kind of like trying to dismantle the master's house with the master's tools which is a quote by andre lord because like the concept of that like somehow black nuclear families will dismantle um the racial capitalism or the racial oppression we face i think that's false it'll just prolong capitalism's existence and perhaps lead to more black middle class people but that doesn't stop racism more black more black middle class individual individuals does not end racism it helps provide more opportunity for black people for some black people but it's as an active tool to keep a racist society and system in place and to keep the capitalist and system in place and to basically subdue voices and protests and it's, and now it's actively used as a tool like now the way when we talk about racism you can see that some people who are not as not as researched or as experienced through real life on the topic of racism how they might argue that it doesn't exist or it's no longer institutional um it's no longer no, no longer systemic <coughs> and the only reason people are able to argue that nowadays is because these adjustments over the years have been made so that the black middle class can exist and with the existence of the black middle class is basically to like basically to like prolong like i said to subdue voices and prolong capitalism and racism because then people think oh black people who can who are fine can make it see the american dream does work see it's all fine it's all good now we don't have to dismantle a system that actively oppresses people it kind of like it's like kind of it's almost as if the black middle class is used or the, like middle class marginalized people are used as like a like a shield or like like not a shield like a curtain to hide the true atrocities and like concerns that oppress an oppressive system does um it's i think that the i think like the iron curtain which is a term from like um what's it the cold was a cold war term to refer to the the countries that kind of the satellite states have kind of formed as a barrier between the the west europe and eastern europe western europe and eastern europe like i think the concept of like middle class and too wealthy and marginalized individuals are often used as like a curtain 
to like hide the true atrocities that like the oppressive system that we're living under causes. And this long roundabout point brings me back to white women <laughs> and like the idea of choice feminism. And so basically white women are like when we focus mm, so basically white women when we focus on like um only people who hold one marginalized identity and and focus their problems and act as if their problems are the most universal what we'll often do is actually never hit the real root of the problem and then we'll end up participating in most likely some useless things especially because of the amount of privilege that white women experience we'll end up participating in more useless activities that do not dismantle the oppressive system and does not hit all the key points of it whereas if we recenter our argument on the most marginalized person that we can fathom and think of on which i would describe it as the poor black um queer preferably lesbian trans disabled and neuro, neurodivergent person i think that's as far as my imagination can currently fathom um but obviously they might be ideas and talk oh and immigrants yes so that's about like so that's about one two three four five six seven that's about seven like of, of points or groups that I can think of. That and if we were to recenter our focus on making sure that that individual, that that person, is is able to oh, so okay, let me just double check. Poor, um, black indigenous woman. Okay, trans woman who is differently abled, because I like differently able to disabled, and who is neurodivergent. I th- I think I think that is all the points, but I could be I could be wrong. Anyways, that's about seven, and so and so it's very important <laughs> that if we were to refocus our like attention on ensuring that that person has all of their rights. We would dismantle the system, like, like it's this because it's all it's all connected. So if you want to actively ensure that that person is protected and is saved, and we would like work our hardest to ensure that that person receives all their rights, the this whole entire system would have to fall apart because primitive accumulation that would have to end in order for that person to protect it sexism would have to end in order for that person to be protected um um was it mm, like yeah sexism would have to end um like sexism racism would have to end like 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 um like a discrimination against disabled people, discrimination against Muslims, like uh, as well, like someone who's of a different like religion would have to end. Like we would have to really like the, all of those would end. The only like I guess put, potential issue could be with the with the trans identity. Would then would they then experience what 
the the specific type of oppression that comes from being labeled female at birth, which because there is because like that anatomy of specifically having a uterus, reproductive justice, period poverty, like that that's perhaps the only thing. But I think it's okay to expand that group and to have that group be bigger. So even if it's not the sort of it means cis and trans women, if we were to focus on that group as a whole, and then BIPOC indigenous, like like so as a BIPOC people, even if it's not black people specifically, if we were to just focus on those more most marginalized groups and even expand the, the labeling or the definition even more, we would probably come to realize that there is so much more, not only there's more, there's more of an in-depth history to all of our issues, there's a lot of issues that are unaccounted for, and then would cover all of the bases and truly dismantle oppression for all people, including white people, I mean, I mean, white women, like, and other white marginalized people. The difference is, is that, like, oftentimes privileged people view um, equality as oppression, and so the I think it will be interesting if that would if that theory was to really be put in place actively by people. The theory of like focusing on the most marginalized person possible, and ensuring that their rights come through, because the people would then have to work through their own personal biases and be willing to give up their privilege for the greater good, and that's some hard work, hard work in the sense that like. It's, I think society has conditioned us all to be individualistic, otherwise known as selfish. <laughs> like, like, to be focused on our own needs and our protecting ourselves at all costs. And so the idea of collective good, we've been so detached from that. And capitalism as a system actively detaches people from the natural and from community. And so... And so we would have to actively fight against our socialization and to some extent our cultural experience. So it's hard to talk about culture as a person of color or like Western culture being my West cultural experience, quotation marks, as a person of color, especially as a South African, as a, as a Zulu woman, because I know that my, like my culture is like very, my heritage is not Western culture. But it doesn't change the fact that I have the culture I've been assimilated in, grown up with, and is embedded in my being so deeply that I can't even fathom. It is Western culture. It's embedded through English, the language that I speak as my first language. It's embedded through the systems and the structures I've been going through, the education system, the society, the area that I lived in. It's been embedded to, from, for, to some extent through religion. No, I am a Christian, a Pentecostal Christian. And like there are some traditional aspects that now that I've, I've done my research, I I do consider a bit more in service of the patriarchy and a bit more in service of heterosexual people. Um <laughs> and to wear that lightly. And obviously, like if you're religious, like slay. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like because especially because it's hard to talk about religion in a way it so deeply impacts people, and it's hard to critique something that like is so deeply related to spirituality and personal growth. But I think that's kind of what makes it even more important to talk about 
because if your personal growth actively infringes on the rights of other people or is to some degree contingent on that, then there are questions to be asked at the very least, you know, and to be discussed and and perhaps even to reframe the way you're interpreting these ancient texts, because that's what they are. They're ancient texts that have had a huge influence on our history. And it's very important that when we're taking these texts apart, regardless of your religious beliefs or religion, it's important that we always interpret it through a lens of love and through protecting the marginalized person. Because if we don't do that, these texts can easily be used to do the opposite and have been used to do the opposite for centuries now and are still continually used in our modern day society to do the opposite. And so that's why it's like important to like perhaps not fight against like yeah fight back against that i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> like, which it, it kind of sound aggressive but like t- there's a way to there's there's a gentle way to fight there's a the way to fight that is compassionate and with care and love at its core which i guess uh, the connotations around the word fight especially in english not insinuate that but i do believe that there is a way to do so Anyways, read some, um, I was going to say Malcolm X, which is not, like, yeah, go ahead and read read him, but, like, that's not what I'm talking about. Read some Martin Luther King, specifically, if you want to learn about more, like, peaceful protests. I would say Gandhi, and I guess there's something, there is stuff to learn there, too, I guess, but, like, I mean, I don't know. When I know the shady aspects of a, polit- a political figure or of a spiritual figure, it's hard to talk about them without constantly being rem- reminded of the problematic aspects of them. And so it is difficult, but there is some truth to Gandhi's um, peaceful protest approach. I, I will not be talking about or going in depth in, in, in depth to with his history today. Um, that's that's a, 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 a uh, a sticky situation but like yeah i want to talk about it like, mm, we don't have a lot of time okay moving forward um so yeah and i think th- uh, there are some problems that unite women but there's problems that are so deeply unique that are related to sexism and if we were to impact them would we would probably impact like the like it's kind of like it's kind of like dealing with an iceberg like if we just chip away at the surface you haven't solved the problem you know what I mean? Like you can't chip away at the surface and think and be confused why the ship isn't moving forward, why it isn't freedom and progress forward. You know what I mean? You have to get rid of its core and chop off the bottom and break down the bottom and dismantle it completely and fully apart. The bottom piece of this iceberg has to be completely detached and removed so there can be full space to move forward and full freedom does that make sense and so <laughs> yeah like I hope, I hope that like really illustrated my point but basically um yeah like basically my point is this <laughs> is that like that with with when it comes to any community is that we can't focus on the most privileged part person or privileged micro group within that community and within that marginalized community. Otherwise, we do not actually pr- 
we won't actually even properly protect that microgroup. What we what we will end up doing is perhaps saving their privilege, but like they will be they'll still continue to fight forward and fight for freedom, but in an aimless and useless way. <laughs> Hence, choice feminism, suggesting that we live in a post-sexist world, which isn't true. And hence, now we're having struggle, stragglers who like, don't care and don't fight for collective justice. And so here are some points I think are important to discuss with collective justice and feminism. Period poverty, regardless of a woman's identity or relationship with her body, what, like period, period poverty is a very important aspect of feminism. Feminism should prioritize the rights of women and a fat body is. I think that is the most, that is the best way to reform. And to prioritize the rights of all humans, yes, sure. But very importantly is to focus on women and AFAB bodies because that the relationship between being perceived as a woman and like, like, because really what it comes down to is being perceived as a woman to some extent or in some sort of way whether you proceed as a woman in our binary medical world or you perceived as a woman based on your physicality or you perceived as a woman based on your association or, or people or how you have your relationship with femininity you perceived as a woman like for other things you know and so because like People, femininity is very much demonized. And so people who are perceived as being feminine or having a close relationship with femininity or being, or people who are perceived as potentially holding some characteristics of, of medical characteristics of the female sex, I put in quotation marks, that like has all contingent impacts. Like, like, like that all, all is connected to each other. And hence why I think feminism should cover women and AFAB bodies. And so women, regardless of what you were like born identified as at birth, and as well as people, regardless of how they identify, but because they share the um, oppression of being like identified and viewed as women at, at, at as women by the medical system or by other systems at play, etc., etc. Okay, hope that covers my point. And so this includes period poverty. This includes gender-based violence. Very, very important. This includes um, what's it called again? the experience of male flights and unpaid labor. And that connection. How basically when women enter jobs that like. Oh, what were once male dominated, and men start to leave that industry, or leave that community, or leave that job, or that, that like like that new status, and when that that idea becomes more woman orientated, more woman like inclusive, or woman majority, how the value of that job then drops, and how the job then often becomes overly sexualized, like the idea of nurses sexualized, how like what's it, cheerleaders, which used to be a male dominated job. Is now sexual sexualized and like us like a, a thing we see in like a lot of pornography or even like in films and movies that like take a part in this like not take a part but like very much objectify that's a that's a better word objectify women's bodies you know and like even if you're not perceived as a woman but like 
because of your treatment of your body medically you're at greater risk of dying you're at like and if you're you're a black woman or a black AFAB person, how you're at greater risk of dying during childbirth. If you're a trans person, you're at greater risk of being mistreated medically. The military and how the military views you, like all of these systems are all connected. And so, and even though I'm not a huge fan of the military, um, it doesn't change the fact that like, and because military is in another way, like it's just a, oh, <laughs> it's one of the a more violent forms of repression. It's, it's like a it's a violent social, it's a physical and violent social apparatus. So there's the ideological um, social apparatus, which are like school and education, etc. that socialize people to act a certain way and to do certain things. And there's like more physical, physical, tangible social apparatuses that are like, like such as police and military. And so I'm not a fan of the military just because like, because of that situation. But yeah, anyways, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I know what I'm trying to say, but like, yes, I hope to some extent I've kind of spoken in depth, in depth enough about how like it's very important that like we dismantle, we we refocus whose perspective like everything should come from when you're fighting for rights, and I, that's what was so lovely about the paper that we had to read. Or the essay we had to read for um racial capitalism that we deconstructed in class that I mentioned throughout this episode. What was so nice about it was that it was talking about how we should really reframe um capitalism as chattel slavery through the lens and racism today through the lens and the viewpoint of black women. And how when we do this, we'll be we'll have a greater opportunity of dismantling oppression and dismantling both capitalism and racism and basically racial capitalism. Um, and so I was like, wow, that, that's like really great and amazing. I really like stick with that. Like I mess with that like theory. I I agree. <laughs> and I also think that that can be extended to feminism and how like kidnappings and also like women going missing, how like indigenous women going missing. That should be taken more seriously and fetishization and like the terrifying aspects and like military sex work you know what i mean like all like prostitution you know what i mean like all of these extra like things that come with being a woman you know what i mean the wage gap you know like the act of the unpaid labor and how women are like are not and how in this capitalist society through primitive accumulation, women will experience primitive accumulation and have be stripped of their resources, but it will be given less opportunity to regain like access to resources, which essentially is what because like the idea is like, and will be removed from the pro- the product of their labor, and and so and then because of this, they have less access to resources. They're continually stripped of their resources. They do not have access to their labor, the production of their labor, and they then remain like, what's it again? They then like remain like dependent on men in this patriarchal society. And the problem with so much dependence is that it leads to abuse, abuse by the system, but also abuse by physical, like it, like by like people, by men. Like I don't know how else to put this, like based on the structure of our society that like which basically links capitalism and and like the the nuclear family 
and gender-based violence very um, specific like specifically domestic violence very like like intertwined and links it very like tightly and so i think these are all ideas to take into consideration and there's so much more aspects please note shaving armpits or not shaving armpits yes shaving armpits is a captain's idea yes but choosing not to or doing so you can make your own personal decisions but like it's not the only it's, that's not the beginning or end of feminism it's just a, it's like you fe, like feminism is very it's what's very important is that we dismantle these huge structural problems that re, reproduce poverty and women and dependence of women onto like men and then devalues the identity and women and then also but while simultaneously forcing them into this identity if that makes sense so women are forced to be feminine and then devalued for being value for being feminine and then told that if they continue striving towards this feminine idea through buying products through participating in capitalism through getting married through being entering patriarchal relationships that they will regrain their resources but oftentimes they they actually don't and the high and the best a woman can get with, as a system is originally designed is to have proximity to to wealth and that's supposed to be the reward for like fitting into gender identity and then it's like and it's always you're always stripped as a human being <coughs> from full access to all of your strengths and skills in order to fit into this made-up gender constructs and so like it's just a lot of things are happening once and it's like it's like it's not just personal choice, but there's also macro problems. It's not, it's not just micro decisions. It, there's macro problems. There's macro institutions. And there's like the systems at play that all intersect and interlink with each other. And they're very important. So yeah, shave, don't shave. Dye your hair crazy colors, don't dye your hair crazy colors. But whatever you do is that if you're going to say that you're a feminist, please make the opportunity to study the different schools of feminist thoughts and make sure that when you are fight you're, you're actively engaging with your feminism it doesn't begin and end with oh i shaved my armpits and i'm like i have my legs spread wide open on the bus and i don't close my legs even if people are next to me uh, which is rude by the way any person that does that is rude <laughs> like i don't make the rules it's facts <laughs> but like that's that's just not like if that's the beginning and end of your um your activism then you're you have not solved anything the activism has to actively discuss the issues surrounding sex work has to actively discuss the issues surrounding reproductive justice the activism has to actively discuss education and yet the activism has to actively discuss capitalism and the value of women's labor and women's work you have to actively think of these things it's very important so yeah thank you so much and uh, i guess i'll catch you guys later yeah that brings us to an end of this episode everything that i'm speaking about is linked down below 
and I really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And let me know what your thoughts are. I'll be linking out socials in the description below. Until next time, ciao.